uh, and just a challenge that, that I've felt and that uh, I felt to share with the church as well. Um, you've probably heard uh, this phrase before, and I'll, I'll talk about it here in just a minute, but um, I want to take just a second and talk to our men. There's a book. It's called Point Man. Steve Farrar is the author, Point Man. If you're a man, if you have a family, if you're ever going to have a family, if you love the Lord, this is a phenomenal book. I encourage you to check out, read, find the audio version. Phenomenal book. And in one of the sections, he's, he basically just spends uh, the book talking about leading your family and directing your family, your wife, your children, yourself, and leading them to the Lord. And, and one of the points that he makes is uh, kind of where I launched off for tonight's topic and tonight's lesson. Um, we've probably heard the phrase semper fidelis or semper fi. You're familiar with that phrase. It's a Latin phrase that means always faithful or always loyal, fidelis or fidelity. It's the motto of the United States Marine Corps. Usually you hear it shortened to, to semper fi. And it's also used as a model for uh, several towns, families, schools, other military units. It's thought that, uh, that it originated from the phrase that the senators of ancient Rome uh, declaimed at the end of their intervention. The earliest definitively recorded use of Semper Fidelis is as the motto of a French town in, of Abbeville in uh, 1369. Sister Becky, do you remember that? Oh, sorry. <laughs> she earned it. It's also, uh, it's also been used by other towns, and it's recorded as the motto of various different uh, European families since really in the 16th century and possibly as early as the 13th century. But records show that, that many families in England, France, and Ireland are still using this motto as a, a family motto. Does anybody have a family motto? I never heard of it until I heard that people use this as a family motto, but apparently it's a thing, so... Go make a family motto and make it good. Uh, it can stick around for 400 years. All right, the, uh, the United States Marine Corps adopted the motto Semper Fidelis back in 1883 on the initiative of Colonel Charles McCauley. Uh, he was the eighth commandment uh, of the Marine Corps. And there were three mottos prior to Semper Fidelis, including uh, Fortitune, which means with courage. Uh, that antedated it back to the War of 1812. Uh, per mare per tarum, which means by land, by sea, presumably inherited from the British Royal Marines who, who've used that as a motto. And then up until 1843, there was also the Marines' hymn motto, which is to the shores of Tripoli. Um, but Semper Fidelis signifies the dedication and the loyalty that individual Marines have for corps and for country. Even after leaving service, Marines frequently shorten uh, the motto to Semper Fi. So there's a certain power in the call Semper Fi, or always faithful. These two words implicate a lifetime of dedication. With two words, you're calling and or being called for the rest of your life. It's just two words, but one without the other is not as powerful. Always. Always is a powerful word, but always what? Faithful, that's a good word, but faithful when? Faithful how? Faithful to who? Faithful to what extent? See, either word by itself carries certain power and implication, but together the charge is to be always faithful. And my quest tonight is to put a little Semper Fi in all of us. 
There's a very popular scripture that we draw a lot from as Christians. Philippians 4, 6. It says, Be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And we quote this scripture a lot. We read it a lot. We, we hold on to this in moments of need or, or desperation or when we're searching for an answered prayer. But some of the words that I just want to turn our attention to, we might overlook from time to time. But I want to draw our attention to three words in particular. In everything. In everything. This is Paul's way of reminding the Philippians, simplify, always faithful. This isn't the only time that Paul uses this phrase either. We'll take a look at a few more places that Paul uses this. In 1 Corinthians 1.5, he says that in everything we are enriched by him. In all utterance, our speaking, in all knowledge, everything that we know. In 2 Corinthians 8.7, therefore as you abound in everything, in faith and utterance and knowledge and in all diligence and in your love to us, see that you abound in this grace also. He says, in everything that you do. 2 Corinthians 9.11, being enriched in everything to all bountifulness, which, cause, which causes through us thanksgiving to God. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 24, therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. 1 Thessalonians 5.18, in everything, Give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. See, Paul used this exact phrase in six different letters to six different churches. And if you're going to hear this charge from anyone, who better to hear a charge from than Paul? A man who told Timothy in 2 Timothy 4, 6-8, For I am now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course, and I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day. And not to me only, pay attention, not to me only, but unto all them also that love his appearing. So Paul has established from the very beginning and he's established as a part of his ministry. And when he's talking to churches or he's talking to younger ministers, he makes it very clear that this isn't just a here today, gone tomorrow type of life. This service to God isn't just for right now or for a moment or for the hype or for the shout and the dance, but then we put it away at the rest of life whenever that comes. No, Paul says in everything, give thanks. In everything, by prayer and supplication and giving of thanks. In everything, be faithful. In everything with your words. In everything with your life. In everything that you learn and that you know, be faithful in everything. So he's simply telling before it was popular and before the United States Marine Corps used it. Paul was issuing the phrase, Semper Fidelis, always faithful. And I challenge us tonight to let's listen to the words of Paul and let's look at life and see how I can be always faithful. I'm not going to be too long tonight, but uh, I want to challenge us with that call that Paul started in everything or being always faithful or semper fidelis. We look at this, at this challenge and we see that if you look always faithful, there's not a place in life that that doesn't apply to us. If I'm a child and I'm always faithful, that means I'm still always faithful as a child. 
If I'm an adolescent, always faithful means always faithful. If I'm an adult, a middle age, and always faithful, guess what that still means? Always faithful. And if I'm in my, my twilight years of life, guess what always faithful means? Always faithful. That's what it means. It doesn't change depending on where you're at or your circumstance or your situation. Always faithful simply means always faithful. That's mind-blowing, isn't it? <laughs> it? It takes a lot of education to learn that one. Always faithful. Say, well, that's, that's two words. You're going to base an entire sermon off of two words? Be surprised what I can do with two words. But I want to I call to a couple different uh, areas of, of life today and just speak. And I want to I start with speaking to our elders for a moment. And I want to say this from the bottom of my heart. I've written it out, so please don't find it insincere that I read. But I have a tremendous amount of respect and appreciation for our elders, for those that have gone before us, for those that have carried the gospel, those that have paved the way and built the foundation for what we have and where we are today. I love our elders, and I love the example that they have all been and still are. But part of the testimony of elders is that they are still there. They're still here. And can you guess what I'm going to say next? They're still faithful. Always faithful. That's what helps us. We've got something to look to, someone to aspire to, a place that we can see that you've already experienced what I've experienced. You've already gone through the sections of life that I haven't even yet experienced, and yet you still stand and you still lift a hand, you still raise a shout, you still cry out to the power of the name of Jesus Christ because you're always faithful and you're showing us that just because I put in work years ago, decades ago, seemingly generations ago, that doesn't mean that my time is up. That doesn't mean that my walk with God is done. And that doesn't mean that I'm done living for him because we are always faithful. And I take just a moment and show as much respect as I can to my elders right now. Now, here's the challenge with always faithful as an elder. Elders, if you were ever to leave or turn away from this gospel message, you destroy the message of faithfulness that your life has preached up to this point. Now, I don't think we're in danger of losing any of our elders or having them flee from the truth at this point, but I just want to remind you that there are multiple generations looking at you and to you for a continual guidance and direction into what it means to be always faithful. How does one semper fi throughout their whole life and into the twilight years? And we look to you for this example. So thank you, elders, for showing me what it is to be faithful. And I challenge you tonight, if you'll allow me to do it, to hold on to that faith, to hold on to that faithfulness, to keep the faith, to keep pressing on, keep fighting the good fight, because I'm looking to you. I'm trying to lead a family, but I need somebody to lead me. I'm trying to see what it looks like when everything else is passed when I'm done working, when I'm done raising my kids and they're no longer in the house? How do I remain always faithful? And I look to you to show me an example of that. So please continue in the Semper Fi mentality. Please continue to be always faithful because there's generations counting on you and looking to you. 
I'm going to speak now to parents. If Parents, if your children are still in the home, I'm talking to you. Your children are looking to you. Even when you don't feel like they are. Even when everything that you say to them meets with contradiction. Even when they make it seem like you are the least intelligent being to have ever graced the face of planet Earth. I felt the spirit. (laughs) You can raise your hands if you need to, that's fine. Even when they tell you why it isn't fair or why other kids' moms and dads let them blah, 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 blah. Your children, no matter what age they are, they need you to be a beacon of faithfulness. Your children need to see you remain faithful in a storm. Your kids need to know that you are faithful, that you're faithful to God, that you're faithful to church, that you're faithful to your spouse, that you're faithful to your prayer life, that you're faithful to your giving, that you're faithful to your tithing. Your kids need to look at you and see, no matter how they act to your face, no matter how they make you feel when you tell them, or instruct them, no matter how much they groan or complain when you say it's time to get in the car and go into the house of God, no matter how much they say, I don't want to, or I'm not ready, I don't want to get ready, and I don't want to go to youth, no matter how much they kick against it, you are establishing boundaries in their life. You're establishing a foundation that they need to grab a hold of, and as much as they might roll their eyes, as much as they might get fed up or irritated or agitated, you are setting an example of what it means to be always faithful. You're showing them with the power of a marine soldier. Semper Fi. We're going to be faithful to the house of God. We're going to show up. The doors are open. We're going to be there. The the message is being preached. We're going to listen. This isn't just a sometimes kind of gospel. This isn't just a sometimes kind of relationship with God. But when Jesus Christ begins to work on your life, when he fills you with the gift of the Holy Ghost, when he changes you, the Bible tells me that all things in Christ, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away, and behold, all things are become new. That doesn't leave room for me to say not today. Always faithful is a call. Always faithful is a challenge. And guess what? The call and the challenge is for you, but it's not just for you. It's for the generation that's watching you. What are you going to do when rubber meets the road? How are you going to act, dad, when you lose a job? How are you going to act, mom, when the budget isn't quite lining up? Is it time to quit paying our tithes? Is it time to quit giving in offerings? No, it's time to remain always faithful. How are you going to act when somebody across the aisle offends you at church? Do we stop going? No, because why? We're always faithful. How do you teach them to go through life and adapt an always faithful mentality if you don't show them an always faithful lifestyle? Praise God. The best example that you can give your family is to be faithful. Please don't throw anything at the next thing that I'm going to say. Even if it's a vacation, you're always faithful. Even if it's a special occasion, we're still always faithful. Even if it's a family that isn't in church, we're still always faithful. Your testimony to your kids and to your family, whether they're serving the Lord or not, your testimony is that you are always faithful, that your faith is unwavering. Your kids need to know that no matter come what may, my parents are faithful. Praise God. 
I'm telling you this as a dad. I've got four kids that look to me. And guess what? Can I peel back the curtain of my life a little bit? Faithfulness isn't always easy. Sometimes I'm tired and I don't want to come. He's holding the microphone and he confessed. It's recorded. Guess what? I'm okay with it being recorded because I'm human. I don't always feel like coming, but guess what? He's done so much for me, I cannot tell it all. I've got to praise, and i got to get it out. I don't care how hard life is. I don't care how bad the day was at work. When the doors open, it's my time. David said, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. So my challenge is that no matter what comes, no matter how it feels, no matter what it looks like, I've got to be always faithful because there's people looking to me, because there's children looking up to me because there's elders dependent on me because there's a church dependent on looking across and seeing a brother or a sister that's there your faithfulness helps your brother's faithfulness always faithful is the challenge always faithful is the challenge young people you're not off the hook we just got back from NAYC and there wasn't any air conditioning cry me a river I went to camp at, in Georgia. We played basketball for two hours and then softball for four with no awnings. And guess what? There's no air conditioning outside. It ain't going to kill you. You'll survive. That being said, air conditioning is cool. I like it. But man, we, I thought we were going to have to break out the violins. The air conditioner went out. <laughs> We had to walk all the way, six blocks. No, I'm sorry. All right. Your challenge tonight is not to live without air conditioning. Young people, your call tonight isn't any different than anybody else's. Your call tonight is to be faithful, to be always faithful. Whether it's senior camp or the middle of the school week. Whether it's NAYC or a boring summer day with nothing to do. Whether mom, dad, pastor, or youth pastor can see what you're doing or not, your call is to be faithful. Whether they're going to find out if you do this thing or not, your call is to always be faithful. If you're at a job, you be faithful. If you're at school, you be faithful. If you're teaching a P7 club, you be faithful. If you're going through a hard time, you be faithful. If you're at camp, be faithful. If you're in front of your parents, be faithful. If you're in front of absolutely nobody, be faithful. If you're in front of an electronic device and nobody else is around, you've got to be faithful. Your call doesn't change because people are around. Your God doesn't change because of your environment. We saw 30-something thousand kids on the screen just a little bit ago, and you were just not even 48 hours ago in that environment. But guess what? Same God. Same God, same challenge, same Bible. He's calling you to be always faithful. I don't care if the hype train is at full steam ahead, or I don't care if it feels like we're not even on a train. Our call is to be always faithful. Our call, our challenge, our mission is to be always faithful. Is anybody counting how many times I've said that? It's a lot. Yeah. 
I know that every generation thinks that nobody's had it as bad as they have. And maybe that's true. Maybe it's not. I, I, I really don't know. I'm not going to downplay or, or pretend that our young people don't face challenges that we might have never faced. But we still face challenges. Young people, I'm not belittling your challenges. Am I offending you by saying young people? Or you just know that I'm old and you're good with it? By the way, we can tell Brother Brahm's getting old because he said we're going to sing a youth song that was written in 1998. So <laughs> I got a praise. That's the oldest song I think that we have in the computer. But he said it's a youth song. These kids weren't even born yet. And he says we're going to sing a youth song. Man, that's just a testimony that you've been faithful for a long time, brother. Hey. Our challenge, our challenge is what? Always faithful. Always faithful. Now, always doesn't take vacation. Always doesn't take the summer off. Always doesn't take the school year off because there's too much homework. Always doesn't take time off because I've got to go to school and work. Always doesn't take time off because you don't understand what mom and dad are going through. Always doesn't take time off because I don't know your home life. Always doesn't take time off because situations get hard. Always doesn't take time off because the seas start to get a little bit rocky and life starts to be a challenge. Always doesn't take time off. Always means always. And our challenge is to be always faithful. But guess what? You're not going through this always faithful challenge alone because I serve a God who is always faithful. Never leave you or forsake you. Never let you down. Never find you begging. He said, never will I see my seed begging bread. He says, which of you being a, a father would give his son a rock if he asked for bread? How much more does your father in heaven know how to give good gifts to those that ask him? We serve a God who's always faithful. We serve a God who we can stand here and say, the same God who is today is the same God who was yesterday. The same God who's God in the moment is God whenever I don't even know what else is coming next. The God who brought me through the problem was still God before the problem. The God that's in the middle of a problem is the same God that's before the problem. And guess what? He's the same God you'll see on the other side of the problem because he is always faithful. He's given us a mission, but he's shown us with perfect example how to live it out. Semper Fidelis, always faithful. My God has been faithful to me. My God has never let me down. My God has done so much for me that I cannot tell it all. My God has never left me or forsaken me. My God has seen me in my darkest moments. He's seen me in my failure. He's seen me in my weakness. He's seen me in my moments of mistake and hardship. And guess what? He's never batted an eye or blinked or decided that I was too far gone or too messed up. My God has always been and will always be always faithful. And the only thing he's asking me is that I be always faithful. He said it like this in Romans. Present your body a living 
living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that you can prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And he said it that way because he knows that the biggest trick is when our mind isn't right. So he said, be renewed by the transforming of your mind. Change up the mentality that says it's okay to be a fair weather fan of God. Change up the mentality that says when it's convenient, I'll serve him. Change up the mentality that says when it's convenient, I'll take a stand. Change up the mindset that says I'm only going to be faithful if I've got 30,000 supporters. Change up the mindset that says I can only worship like my life depended on it if I'm at an altar call at camp meeting. Change up the mindset that says it's got to be the right environment and the right circumstance and the right moment for me to get what I need from God. Change that mindset and recognize and realize that your God is always faithful. And it doesn't matter if the hype train's going. It doesn't matter if they're playing a fast song or a slow song. The same God who is today is the same God who was and is and is to come. He's not going anywhere. My challenge to you is to establish tonight right here in your life, right here in your moment, right here in your circumstance. Be all Always faithful. Praise God. Praise God. Paul told the church at Ephesus a passage that's going to feed us all no matter where we're at in life. Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1 through 10. He says this. Don't throw stuff at me, kids. It's not me. It's Paul. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with thee, and that thou mayest live long on the earth. And fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Parents, yeah, we can quote the scripture, Adam, that they're supposed to honor us and respect us and do what we said, but we got to call in there too. Provoke not your children to wrath, which means don't directly steer them into a way that's agitating a situation. I'm not telling you not to be dad. I'm not telling you not to be mom. I'm telling you to make sure that we are raising up our kids in love, instructing them in righteousness, instructing them in truth, instructing them in the ways that they should go, training up a child in the way they should go so that when they're old, they don't uh, depart from it. That's what Proverbs said. But we have a God-given mandate to not provoke our children to wrath. So as soon as you're ready to quote that scripture, obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. You got to look in the mirror and say, dad, provoke not your child to wrath. Mom, are you provoking your child to wrath? I told you this one hits us all. Verse five, servants, be obedient to them that are your masters. We did away with slavery. Okay. Does anybody have a job? Anybody have a job? If you've got a boss, you serve that boss. What what does ministry mean? Serving. If you've got a boss, if you've got a ministry, if you've got a God, that's all of us. We're servants. That's not a fun word to throw around at yourself, but guess what? 
We're servants. Servants, be obedient to them that are your masters according to the flesh. This tears down the wall of church. This doesn't even have to deal with spiritual authority. He says, be obedient to your masters that are your masters according to the flesh. On your job, at work, whether they serve the Lord or don't know how to spell Lord. We serve him. Because that's our duty. And how do we do it? With fear and trembling. In other words, with respect and dignity. Not with eye rolls and crossed arms and huffing and puffing and backstabbing and talking behind their back at the water cooler. That's not the way God calls us to be employees. I thought we were talking about church stuff. No, I'm talking about being always faithful. Are you a Christian or are you not a Christian? You don't get to flip that switch on and off depending on when it's convenient. That's not the kind of God that we serve, and that's not the kind of people that he's calling us to be. He's asking us to stand with the mentality and the mantra, Semper Fidelis, always faithful. Praise God. Uh, Serve them fear and trembling, singleness of heart. As unto Christ, we serve our fleshly masters, our bosses. We serve them as we're serving God. I'm not distorting scripture. I'm reading scripture. If you got a problem with it, we'll talk about it later when we got some time. I'm okay with that. But that's what the word of God says. That's what Paul told the church at Ephesus. Servants, be obedient to them that are your masters according to the flesh with fear and trembling and singleness of your heart as unto Christ. Verse 6, not with eye service as men pleasers. In other words, we don't just pick up the broom and start sweeping when the boss walks around the corner. All right, not with eye service as men pleasers, but as the servants of Christ, doing the will of God, how? From the heart. Not because it's what we do, because it's who we are. How do you have that heart? Because we're always faithful. If you're always faithful, you don't have to remember to turn the switch on and off. If we're always faithful, we don't have to interpret which filter I use for which situation. If I'm always faithful, I don't have to wonder about do I need to change the way I'm acting or uh, the way that I'm presenting myself or the way that I'm conducting myself because the boss is around or the boss isn't around. That's not always faithful. This stopped being fun, didn't it? Number eight, knowing, verse eight, knowing that whatsoever good thing any man does, the same shall he receive of the Lord, whether he be bond or free, whether he is a servant or whether he is the the boss. If you do a good thing from your heart, you receive the good things. Verse nine, and uh, sometimes words are hard. And you masters do the same thing unto them, forbearing, threatening, knowing that your master also is in heaven, neither is there respect of persons with him. So he's, he's telling us that we're going to forbear threatening. In other words, keep away from threatening. We don't, if you're in charge, you don't rule with the iron fist, always waiting to bash someone down. It's not whack-a-mole. That's not what we're called to do. If we're a Christian, if we're a godly person, if we're an always faithful type of person, and we've got people that are under us in any type of servant capacity, we're instructed to uh, forbear threatening. In other words, we're not just trying to beat them down or, or threaten them all the time but we know why because we've got a greater master 
your master in heaven. And he says, neither is there a respect of him of persons. Which means, when God Almighty, creator of the universe, I like to picture him sitting on a throne, because I don't know, why not? When he's sitting on his throne and looking down at the world and seeing what's going on, see, we're all down here, and status means something to us. Wealth means something to us. Position, authority, these are all great words that we want to attach to our name. But what does God see? He's not a respecter of persons. There's no respect of persons with him, which means it doesn't matter if you're the billionaire or the, I've got a couple pennies. It doesn't matter if you're uh, Mr. Monopoly or if you can't afford the value menu. God doesn't look at your status. God doesn't look at your net worth. God doesn't look at the way that men look at you. God sees a soul. God sees someone that he went to a cross and died for. I don't care what you see or how you see it or how you think that God should see them. God sees souls that he went to a cross to die for. And the word tells me it's not his will that any should perish, but that all should come to Christ. And it also tells me that I should let this mind be in me, let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus, which means I don't get to decide who's good enough or bad enough to come to church or not. I don't get to decide who I'm going to witness to or shut the door on. I don't get to decide who I should be always faithful to because guess what? If I'm deciding, it's not always. My call, my challenge is to be always faithful. Verse 10, he says, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. He gives us this challenge, this edict, and all that he's telling us throughout this whole thing, these 10 verses that we've read, and however, however long I just made it, he's telling us to be always faithful. And guess what? Do you know your Bible enough to know what comes immediately after this in Ephesians chapter 6? It's interesting to note, immediately following this charge, the Apostle Paul instructs us to put on the whole armor of God. Where in verse 16, they've got on the screen, we're told, above all, take the shield of faith, wherewith you'll be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. We are reminded as well that, a, so, so he, he tells us, always faithful, before we're putting on the armor of God. Now, if we're Marines, I think we learn Semper Fi before we pick up the weapon. Because why? You're not trusted with the weapon if you're not trusted to be faithful. Child of God, are we able to be trusted with the armor of God? I'm not saying it's a prerequisite because he tells us all to put on the armor of God. But he also tells us all to in everything to be faithful and to be always faithful. We're reminded as well about that shield of faith, but we're also reminded that a piece of the fruit of the Spirit is faith. Galatians 5, 22, 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. Put verse 22 back up. It's still up. All right, perfect. But the fruit of the Spirit, not the fruits of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit is, not are. We don't get to pick and choose which of these attributes we like. 
If we're filled with the Spirit, the fruit that my life should bring forth is not love or joy or peace or long-suffering. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such, there is no law. Now, this particular use of the word faith, I always kind of wondered about that. Why is part of the fruit of the Spirit faith if you don't have the fruit of the Spirit without the Spirit? Because the Bible tells us, unless you believe, you can't receive. So how do I have the Spirit if I don't already have faith? That tells me I've got to look at the Word. What is the Word telling me? What is the Word teaching me? That word pistis in the Greek for faith can be uh, interpreted a couple of different ways. And the way it's used specifically here is not faith as in belief or trust, but fidelity slash faithfulness. Part of the fruit of the Spirit is faithfulness. So, life hack, everybody. How do I work at being always faithful? I'm full of the Spirit because the Spirit brings fruit out of my life, and that fruit, one of the items of that is faithfulness. So, how do I stay always faithful? I stay always full of the Spirit of God. How do I stay always faithful? I make sure that I'm tapped in to the one who gives me faithfulness. How do I make sure that when things are hard or difficult or challenging, that I can still be always faithful because I'm full of the spirit of God. I've got his stamp of approval on my life. And he shows me that faithfulness comes out of me when I'm full of his spirit. Praise God. Musicians are going to come at this time with the call tonight. The call being Semper Fidelis, always faithful. I want us to remember one other military commitment. And that is to leave no one behind on the battlefield. The armed forces across the board have the, uh, the, the same mantra, to leave no fallen warrior behind, to leave no man on the battlefield. Faithfulness to God, church, is vital. Faithfulness to the church is imperative. Faithfulness to prayer will carry you a long way through this life. But another powerful principle of faithfulness that we can draw from is this. Faithfulness to each other. Help one another. Encourage one another. Watch out for one another. Be there for one another. Be faithful to one another and be faithful for one another. I alluded to it earlier, but your faithfulness is a testimony to somebody else that's struggling with faithfulness. Your life lived being always faithful tells somebody else that it's possible to live a life that's always faithful. Your life of being always faithful means that I'm there to see that my brother or my sister is hurting or in pain or going through a problem. Your call to be always faithful puts you precisely in a position to help your friend, to help your neighbor, to help the body of Christ. So always faithful deals with my heart, yes. Always faithful deals with my salvation, absolutely. Always faithful creeps its way into every part of my life so that, like Apostle Paul said, in everything But always faithful also positions me to be there as a beacon of hope and help to my brothers and sisters. Praise God. 
Let's stand if we would. I know it's two words, always faithful. And I know I've spent, I don't know, half an hour or whatever trying to convince you that always faithful is two words that can and should dictate the rest of your life. Yes, that might seem like a daunting challenge. That might seem like a task that's impossible. But I thank God that we don't do it alone. That with God, all things are possible to them that believe. What is belief? Faith. So I've got this faith, and this faith establishes my faithfulness. The hand of God, no doubt, has been in this place. We worship, we praise. And we might not shout, we might not dance, we might not jump and run around. And if we get there, that's great. If we don't, that's okay too. But the call to always faithful, the marine motto decrying Semper Fi is a challenge that comes with work. And I'm sorry I don't have just a, a, a quick twitch way to establish always faithful in your life. We can't make a prayer line and sprinkle some oil at you and just say, always faithful. It doesn't work like that. It's not pixie dust. But do you know something? Our God who's always faithful told us and promised us that he could fill us with his spirit. He said, I will not leave you comfortless. I will send myself a comforter to live inside you. And when he comes inside of us, when we're filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost, the Bible tells us that we're filled with that gift, with the initial sign of speaking in other tongues. How do I know if I've got that spirit that you're talking about or not? Have you ever spoken a language you don't know? If God's filled your life, he takes control. And as he takes control, he begins to help us, to develop us. Again, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. We're not going to act the same way as we did before. We're not going to be flaky anymore. We're going to be always faithful. We're going to let the Spirit lead us. We're going to let the Spirit guide us and direct us. We're going to go through this life making decisions and choices and being a a, a help and being a strength to brothers and to sisters. Why? Because we're always faithful. The Bible gives us a great commission in Matthew 28, 19 to go ye therefore into all the world and preach the gospel or declare the good news. Preaching doesn't always have to have a microphone. Preaching is just declaring. Just tell them. Tell them the good news. And what is the good news? The death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's the good news. So my life, in order for my life to proclaim the gospel message of Jesus Christ, I've got to be always faithful. I don't have a fancy way to wrap this up. I don't have a fancy bow to put on it. But I'm challenging us tonight. Can we take a moment of introspection as we come to the front? This altar area is open. This is just a place that we respond to God talking to our hearts. I'm going to ask you to come if you would.
Hello and welcome to Connect Points podcast and sermon archives. If you'd like to learn more about our church, please go online to our website at connectpointupc.com or follow us on our Facebook page. Thank you very much and I hope you enjoy this week's message. God bless. Thank you for listening to our podcast this week. We hope you enjoyed this message. Remember, if you would like to find out more information about our church or to contact us, please go online at connectpointupc.com. And also don't forget to subscribe in your podcast app so you will be automatically notified of new episodes. Thank you and we hope you have a great week.